Hello, this is Alex Ely, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here at Macquarie uh, with another episode of our Be Bullish podcast, where I review the news of the day, what matters and what doesn't for your long-term investing. Uh, Well, the biggest news over the past few weeks has been the Federal Reserve or the Fed, as I'll call it, and and the different things that they've done. And before I get into it, I really want to explain how we got here. The mandate of the Federal Reserve is twofold. First off, it's full employment. Right now, we're at about 5.5% unemployment. Uh, They look at full employment right now to be around 4%. So they're still trying to be supportive of the economy, supportive of businesses and industries uh, to hire more people uh, to get there. In essence, they're, they're trying to bridge us from one end of the pandemic to the other. Now, they have two ways of doing this. They can decrease Fed funds rates or what it costs for banks to borrow money overnight. Uh, and they have done that. They've, they've moved those rates down to 0%. And the second thing they do is quantitative easing. Quantitative easing is when we go out and buy debt in the open markets. Now, when Bernanke, who was the Fed Go- Federal Reserve chairman back in the 08-09 period, did it, uh, he bought really mostly just U.S. treasuries. This time, it's been a little different. Not only have we bought treasuries, but we've also gone out and bought municipal debt, mortgage debt, investment-grade bonds, even high-yield bonds that have moved onto the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. They do this to try and calm markets, uh, to, to, to avoid a, a, basically a credit squeeze or, or basically the markets falling apart. And it's worked but they've been providing a lot of support for the market, a lot of free money. And there's lots of people that are concerned about that free money that's out there. Just to give you an idea of how supportive they are, we currently buy 53% of the issuance of our own debt in the open markets in order to keep uh, the, the conditions of the bond markets calm in a time that we've gone through this pandemic. Now, what people have been waiting on with the Fed is when is this going to change? When will the easy money stop? When will they allow, in essence, the economy to to go on its own? And they've been hinting at this for the last month. The way they hint it is they have Federal Reserve governors, which are just lower than a Federal Reserve chairman, uh, uh, Chairman Powell. Uh, And the way they do this is they, they float statements around. They talked about tapering quantitative easing in areas like mortgage debt, where we're already seeing a pretty hot housing market. Um, They talk about uh, the possibility of raising rates down the line, but they hadn't put it in any of their statements until last week. And that's exactly what happened last week. Um, They said that they were going to raise rates, uh, look by, or they expect to raise rates twice by the end of 2023. Uh, This would only be about a 50% or 50 BIP increase in the Fed funds rate, which doesn't seem like a lot because it isn't over three years, but it changes the tack of the Fed from one that's dovish or supportive of the economy to one that's more hawkish or one that's finally begun to take its foot off the gas pedal in terms of supporting the economy. And this is significant. This has big effects on the markets, Uh, specifically on the rate curve. We've seen the rate curve flatten. That means the 10-year T-bond, which was at 1.65%, came down to where it is today at about 1.45%. This is a headwind to banks. Uh, Banks make money on lending at the longer end of the curve and then borrowing at the shorter end of the curve. So when the curve is less steep, 
They don't make as much money. So you've seen some of the regional banks come in a little bit off of this announcement. The second thing that they did is they talked about inflation being transitory, uh, which basically means, yes, we're seeing some inflation today, but no, there's not going to be long-term inflation. Their goal on inflation and the mandate there is to keep inflation to about 2%. It's running at about 3%, so above where they want it to be right now, but they believe inflation will go down to 2.5% next year and down to 2% the year after that. The effect that had, along with the the talk of tapering and the increase of rates, was that materials came in significantly over the last month, Uh, whether it be steel or copper or lumber, uh, dramatic decreases in the prices of those commodities over the last month, uh, 10, 15, 20%. Lumber is actually down over 40% over the last month. So a real come in uh, on some of those prices. Um, and now the effect on equities on all this, which is what matters the most, of course, to me, is we've finally seen the, the rotation from growth to value end. Yep, it's finally ended. We've talked about it on this podcast that it would be ending. It's been the most dramatic rotation into value that we've seen in over two decades. At one point, value was outperforming by over 25% in the small cap markets uh, on a year-to-date basis. Um, that's lessened uh, somewhat here over the last month. Uh, Over the last month, growth has outperformed value by about 5%. It's been pretty significant. Typically, when we see the markets uh, rotate back like this uh, to this significance, it means that people are ill-positioned. It means they're in the wrong spots. So why would this happen? Why would this rotation end? Well, I mentioned banks before having the headwind and materials having a headwind as well. Those are areas of the value index that aren't really represented in growth indices. Growth stocks are considered long duration assets. And as rates come in, that that means the growth that growth stocks create is more valuable. And as a a result, we've seen the prices of growth stocks move up here. Um, We think this will continue going forward. Now, just stop for a second there. These were two of the major issues that the business news media has been pumping at you all year long. Worry about rates, worry about inflation. Well, now rates have come in and inflation concerns have come in. This anxiety that they tried to create um, wasn't true. It didn't play out. I've mentioned these things on this podcast where I've mentioned the concerns of the day and why you could be dismissive of them. And that's really what we're after on this podcast is to get at those things that are highlighted by the media, either creating anxiety that you're missing out on them or that they're going to affect your investments and then try and resolve as to why Uh, that may or may not matter and and whether it doesn't. Two other areas that the media has pumped really nonstop has been uh, cryptocurrencies, what's happening there and meme stocks. Both of these have fallen off dramatically just over the last few weeks. I don't even need to mention them uh, too much here, but the point is again, uh, the business news getting you hyped that you're missing something uh, and you weren't. Okay, over to more, more real news. I have to highlight the fact that equity inflows have been the strongest this year than they've been in a decade. Uh, The retail community is putting their money back into equities, and it's really because of the end of the pandemic. They're getting more and more optimistic. I talked about this also on this uh, broadcast that week after week, month after month, we would have a, a positive fundamental feedback loop. And people see this out of the open markets and they're buying equities. So good to see that. 
On the corona numbers, uh, those numbers have now come down so dramatically. We're down anywhere between 92 to 95% on cases and deaths all across the country. It's really heartening to see. That said, the reopening has been clunky. It doesn't work as easily as people expected. There's shortages on things like the ability to, to ship things, whether it be by freight or by trucking. There's shortages on automobiles. I'm sure you've all heard about it's hard to get people to come back to work. If you're running a hotel or a cruise line or a deep cyclical company, it's just tougher to get back. It's not like turning a switch like maybe we had hoped. So I think the while the economy is reopening, it's not reopening quite as quickly as some people would hope. Now, I think there is hope on the horizon for that. And I think the big date is going to be the beginning of September. The reason I feel that way is the extra unemployment uh, checks that are being sent out roll off as of September 1st. Also, I, I certainly hope most schools will be open. That'll take care of the childcare component that may be preventing people from going back to work. And hopefully we've really stomped this pandemic into the dust and people won't be reluctant to go back to work. So I, I do think that we'll see the economy continuing to improve uh, month after month as we go into the end, end of the year. And I still see a strong economy. But all said, the biggest news over the last couple of weeks has been the fact that we've begun to see the end of easy or free money into the markets, and that changes the way different kinds of companies within the equity markets uh, perform. Okay, so going through all this, how have I been able to stay with our process? Our process is underperformed. We're pure growth, um, and growth assets have underperformed during this market. And uh, because we're pure growth, um, we've underperformed growth in this market. Typically, um, that's what happens when growth underperforms. We also typically outperform when growth outperforms like we did last year. But how do we stick to our process? How do we stick to our disciplines? It's all really because of the creative destruction process. The creative destruction process is when an industry uh, comes upon a better, cheaper, faster way of doing things. And then there's a long secular shift to the new ways of doing things because of the efficiencies they provide, because of the productivity gains that can be garnered. And year after year, uh, when, when this is happening, the, each industry keeps moving to the new ways of doing things because they're better. Now, this works in almost every single kind of economy. It doesn't mean, matter whether you're communist, socialist, um, you know, capitalist, what have you, but it works best within a capitalist society uh, because it's easier for the money to move around. And also it works best in the United States because we have better laws, um, better regulations, and we have a great innovative spirit. People are anxious to make their business models better, to create better companies, to create new ways of doing things. And so we see money flow very quickly to the better ways of doing things. Let me show you just a couple of examples of how this has worked just over the last uh, few decades. Look at PC penetration as an example. Companies like Microsoft and in Intel continue to do well decade after decade as we used more and more PCs as they were a better way of working. Big box stores like Walmart and Home Depot and Costco kept getting bigger and bigger. And we saw the institutionalization of some of our grocery stores, our general stores and our hardware stores because things were cheaper at these places. They were able to use economies of scale to deliver value 
to their customers. And again, better, cheaper, faster, it kept moving in that direction. And then it can be innovation too. It's not always technology. We've seen the globalization of American brands and companies like Coca-Cola and Nike and Johnson, Johnson Johnson, uh, grabbing more and more market share throughout the world as people have faith in their brand names and the quality of their products. Today, we're seeing the same thing. And it's why the, this podcast is called Be Bullish, because we're excited about where the world is headed. And I just wanted to highlight again the disruptions that we're invested in, where we see the creative destruction process uh, in, 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 uh, in action today. First off, it's in food. We're seeing more and more people eating higher quality foods. This isn't just because of demand. Grocers make more money selling you higher quality foods because they have higher margins and they cost more. So dramatic things happening there today. In fact, teenagers today spend more on food than they do on clothing. A big switch from when I was growing up. In content, we're seeing more, we're seeing streaming media grow dramatically um, versus cable and, and dish. And it's because it's better, it's cheaper, it's faster. Uh, one thing I like to, to point out is there's still 80 million cable subscribers today in the US and the percentage of kids that come out of college and get cable is near 0%. When it comes to healthcare, we're making better medicines. All of our medicines, medicines, all of our diagnostics, all of our care is improving dramatically. And it's because we're diagnosing diseases earlier and we're and we're treating them better because we're mapping or, or we're mapping your genome to understand your genetic makeup better so that we can treat you better. We're mapping, we're understanding the genetic variation of each disease that you have, again, so we can treat you better. We're understanding the human body, whether it be DNA, RNA, or proteins, better and better and better to make it all more scientific so that we can treat you better over time. We'll never go back to the old ways of doing things when, when we can find a better way of doing it. Also in healthcare, we're seeing virtual healthcare take off, um, whether it be things like the Apple Watch or the Whoop or, or Fitbits monitoring your heart rate and your steps. We're also able to monitor things like insulin levels, um, blood pressure, uh, all kinds of different diagnostics that we're going to be able to do on the go in order to treat you better. Instead of just doing an EKG for five minutes in your doctor's office, we're going to monitor your, your cardiac functions full time. And that'll give people better insights as to how your heart is doing. Heart disease, no, number one killer of men in America, has huge effects on the way, the way that we do things. And then finally, in banking and in currency, more and more people are banking on their phones, they're banking on their computers, they're doing mobile banking, they're not going into banks. Um, that's a dramatic shift in the way that we do our banking, the way we do, do financial services. And then finally, digital payment options. My goodness, we've been carrying paper and coins in our pockets for thousands of years. We're the last generation to do it. Um, now that we're seeing so many different digital payment options that are get, enabling you to get your money from one person to the next faster and faster and faster. So it's a really exciting time. And I would highlight the fact that this podcast is called Be Bullish for a Reason. We are bullish on the markets. We're not cautiously optimistic. We think we're in front of years of, uh, of strong equity markets and we're excited about it. Thank you for listening in and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. 
The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts, Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.